0: The XTC podcast. XTC.
1: What do you call that
0: noise? Welcome back for the second instalment of this lovely Christmas gift from Andy Partridge and Chris Butler, joined by me, Mark Fisher, David White and Mark Reed. In the first episode, we heard Christmas music from Robert Lawlor. Thanks for that, Robert. Uh, German humour from Arthur and Esther. Thanks, Arthur and Esther. And some Yuletide favourites from Martin Newell. And very fine they were too. We also heard about the influence of Christmas wrapping on you and the clouds will still be beautiful. And in turn, about Chris Butler's love of XTC. Talking of which, Chris Butler is one of the many musicians who appear in What Do You Call That Noise? and XTC Discovery book, in which he talks about Shake You Donkey Up, The Mayor of Simpleton, and Ella Guru. That book is available from xtclimelight.com along with the XDC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls. And there's a load of reading there you can do too. Now, it's time to delve further into the world of Christmas songs as all of us pick our seasonal favourites in between sundry digressions and revelations. Thanks for listening, and thanks as ever to the Patreon supporters for making it possible. If you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please check out patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Now, over to you, Andy.
1: Shall we let's do a round where we where where we each each pick a song and kind of talk a little about it. Do you
0: want to kick us off Andy?
1: This is kind of perverse because it's an instrumental. Um but um it a, a guitarist a jazz blues guitarist called Duke Robillard.
2: Oh man, yeah.
1: And he did a a little instrumental thing called Duke's Christmas. And he he starts it off you hear the sleigh bells, and you hear this kind of He's playing an almost Hawaiian version of, um, uh, what in the lane snow is glistening. Oh, what's that called?
2: Walking out of winter
1: on the land. yeah. So he's imagine a kind of a slow tempo, duh, 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 glum, 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 the sleigh bells. And then there's a very frantic uh, roll on the drums, ending with the nicest cymbal I have ever heard recorded. Just <laughs> this this China cymbal. And then they kick off into a fast, frantic, jazzy uh, instrumental, um, where he slips into all these little Christmas tunes. The whole thing is instrumental. He slips into all these little... Like, da 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 And then he's off with it. And then he slips these little bits of carols and little bits of Christmas, little of Christmas tunes in. And every time he does, the engineer turns up the slapback echo on the guitar. So it suddenly becomes like, hey, it's more rock and roll or whatever. Uh, but it's an obscure little thing. And uh, I don't know when I heard it, but it, every year I have to bring this track out and and grind it into the floor. I just love it. It's it's Duke Robillard, Duke's Christmas.
2: Duke Robillard, yes. Uh, uh, Louisiana, I
3: believe. Um, I
1: know nothing about him. I should really look into his, what do I have? I have, it's David White.
3: Um, I I will tell Chris that, um, uh, Chris, yours is the one song that I've learnt in, in case I'm ever invited to an office party. (laughs) <laughs> Again, if everyone near an office for one thing and or or near a party um because i do have christmas wrapping off pat as they say uh, just in case i'm uh, ever invited to do karaoke
2: oh my gosh oh my god really <laughs> i'm impressed i'm impressed and that's
3: why i know it's so difficult to sing <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah 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 i i was thinking about this a lot and I don't have my list but I but I do remember what I wrote. I I have to say and I know it's corny and I'm going to be very traditional here. Um I think Silent Night just brings me to tears and um uh, <clears throat> I I I'm I'm trying to figure out you know what exactly think about what what I mean there's a major minor shift and you know all over the place which 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 gets me every time and uh, that's about the one um you know, nice Christmas memory is you know going to going to a, a Christmas Eve Carol performance at uh, at our local church. Uh, I grew up Italian Hungarian, and the the center for the Hungarian community in Cleveland was this massive church, uh, uh, on, and it was almost a, a double settlement house as well. Uh, they they were very very big on on giving education and smuggling people out of out of. Uh, uh the soviet era uh hu- hungary and teaching them english and all of this and, and, and in fact uh you know it's a bit of a sideline but uh, it was too successful because they were managed to assimilate in, in the, the hungarian community and they kind of you know they went out of business basically they they were a medical charity that found the cure and they're gone um uh, so so that that whole uh, thing in Cleveland but but they would have, you know, phenomenal in this enormous kind of Gothic uh, Lutheran church, uh, Hungarian performed as a Lutheran branch. And anyway, they would just have, a, you know, a Christmas caroling or a sacred music evening. And um, as a kid, just hearing Silent Night in this wonderful Ruberbi resonant chamber. And, and I, can't, I can't do it, but they would sing it in Hungarian. And uh Hungarian is ridiculous uh, really hard to learn if you don't grow up with it and Of course, I was supposed to be assimilated, so I can't speak Italian or Hungarian except a few cuss words in either language but but again i'm 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 being traditional and I'm kind of visualizing it now uh, having a silent night, you know wafting all, all off the walls in this pretty large i guess it's the Apes uh area um maybe not anyway anyway where all, the congregation is and you know there are three four five hundred people in there and easily uh uh 20 30 40 voice choir and they're doing all these songs and then the greatest hit as i swear is silent night in hungarian not german or not english but in hungarian so that's 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 I have to bode for that one. I have to go traditional on that.
0: In a similar vein, um, Martin Newell mentioned Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, which slightly surprised me that he mentioned that. But just today I went online and I discovered that Bell and Sebastian have recorded a version of it. And it's perfect for them because, because it's sweet and soft. And, and so that was my latest find, I guess. And... Um, and actually, in the spirit of being sacrilegious, I, I, I think I prefer Holly Partridge's version of Wrap You at Christmas to the Monkeys. Am I allowed to say that? Yes,
1: yes, Holly Partridge. You know, I, I, I sent them the demo because uh, they wanted to put this, this disc out. I sent them the demo. I said, look, the only really decent one I've got is with her singing it because it was written for, for a female artist originally. And and I couldn't, I thought, well, I better do this in a female-friendly key. So I moved the key up, and uh, I thought, shit, I can't sing it. And and Holly's got a really good voice, so I said, look, would you come down and help Dad out and sing this for me? Uh, And she did, and and I posted that to the monkeys, But they went and put it out on um, some vinyl release recently, and I've got a copy of it, but I can't play it. I can smell it. <laughs> or whatever you do with vinyl that you can't play, you know. I can melt it, but I can't. Uh, yeah, you don't bit. have
2: a record. You don't have a record player. Well, Christmas is coming up. We should all chip. We should all chip in and
1: get no I, no, I mustn't do vinyl again. Vinyl took my house over.
0: Just before we started, I was saying that somebody on Facebook posted a link to a, a geeky technical. Equipment musical equipment w- w- website where somebody was reviewing a turntable, not even the speakers or the amplifiers, just the turntable, which cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars oh yeah so so we won't get that one for you, Andy apparently, and the reason they linked to it was because English settlement sounded very good on it as well it might <laughs>
1: no, I felt spoiled having a dance set that's set like right that, that's like right a, and you know. Get yeah, lid down if you wanted bass, lid up if you wanted treble.
2: Uh, is it, yeah, isn't that uh, what they EQ'd A- English records for, to sound good on, uh, I mean, the singles that I grew up with, you know, in the 60s, uh, the the British singles were EQ'd high mid-range so that they would sound
1: they good. loads of that stuff, and I, like I guess that. it was to sound good on crappy little players.
3: Mm.
1: And, uh, you know, that's the only reason I can, or they were all deaf and they just cranked those tops up, you know. But uh, oh, it's very nice of you, Mark, to mention that. I'll let her know.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful.
1: So hang on. Uh, other Mark. Mark? So I'll try not to go obscure. I'll go obvious. I mean, Christmas is a time of excess. And so I would have to go with Darlene Love, Christmas play, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. It's got everything. It's got tinsel, glitter, sugar. Yes. All cranked up to 11. Yes, yeah. agreed. Like agreed. four drummers, four bass players. Exactly, uh, half a dozen acoustic guitars strumming,
3: two pianos clonking. Is it fair to say that only Phil Spector and Roy Wood could do Phil Spector?
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Hal, Hal Blaine, you know, all, all the yeah. Wrecking Crew, yeah. right? Yeah.
3: Carol but,
2: Kay. Right. actually, you're
3: right. Only,
1: only Phil Spector and Roy Wood <laughs> could do Phil
2: Spector. So there was a tradition here when Dave Letterman uh, had his uh, late night talk show that he would he would have her back every year to do that song live with their band. And uh, when all that is on cable, he doesn't do that anymore. But uh, that went on for years and years. And Darlene Love would come out and just kill it. Just kill it. I agree. Fabulous, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
3: It's also one of those records that no matter how often you hear it, it still gets you in the, in the heart. You know, mm-hmm. There's very few records that can actually still have that effect when you've heard them so often. yeah 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 yeah. present company accepted of course
0: actually Andy before you give your next choice Andy just picking up on what Mark said about heart I can imagine the temptation to try and write a cynical Christmas song and I can imagine that temptation would be fatal because it just wouldn't work out how do you get rid of cynicism So they can be genuinely into the idea when you write a song like that.
1: Uh, A song like, sorry.
0: Well, like any Christmas song, because Christmas songs have to be good-hearted and full of Christmas cheer.
1: Yeah, uh, unless you're Peter Serafinovich. What's that thing he did, uh, Simply Dreaming of a Sexual Christmas? Can you remember that? It it was on one of his... uh... (laughs) David's laughing because he can remember it. It's a, he he does this skit where he plays McCartney and then and I think <laughs> he goes into a neighbor's party and it's they they make the video and he's look out for it on YouTube. It's a, it's called something like simply having a, a sexual Christmas or something. <laughs> like that.
2: There's a gentleman's club in in London a couple years back that that had a parade of um, scantily clad in the in the PG version and non scantily clad. Uh, 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 hostesses, you know, walk walking around with you know to having Christmas wrapping in the in the background. I thought that was that was a hoot and have. <laughs>
3: uh
2: oh on an unlicensed uh a pirated use by the way. But uh yes. Yeah. Right, right. You know I I I try and keep track of that stuff, but uh, my my administrator did not go after
1: it. Okay. I'm gonna go semi trad now. It's the Beach Boys who are allowed to have loads of Christmas stuff just because of the mass of it. But yep. I'm gonna pick. Loop-de-loop, flip-flop, Santa's got an airplane. Loop-de-loop, flip-flop. <laughs> Santa's got an airplane, fantastic.
2: <laughs> so
1: good. Just take so many drunken, tinsel-covered, pudding-stained things. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's all. <laughs> After all, Brian Wilson has done,
1: sir. <laughs> Not really done for me, that's all I can say about Santa's got an and
2: Yeah, there's plenty of joke stuff, right? You know, um, oh God, what do they play here all the time? Santa, grandma got run over by a reindeer or something or a sleigh. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, okay, Bruce Springsteen. Say what you like, you know. That's a remote, you know pretty damn good version of Santa Claus is coming to town, uh, yeah, full wow. Specter style. You know that that gives me a, a Woody. Well, I have to tell you, uh, <laughs> a Christmas Woody.
1: When you're a psychiatrist. If that's giving you a Woody,
2: yes, yes, right. <laughs> oh, what else? What else? Oh, you know, and Eartha kid, I mean, smoking. Right, right. Santa baby right oh god yeah, pearl bailey the pearl bailey song give me money that's 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 pretty great you know santa just give me some money that's a that's a that's they don't play that much here but that's a that's a great one uh oh, pearl bailey you know getting real <clears throat> getting real with it
1: hang on david we skipped you sorry you gotta you gotta come in here
3: it, well, it, it kind of leads on to a question, I hope you don't mind. Uh, and that is that, uh, um, you know, we, we've talked a bit about the sort of um, the lighter, maybe party-going, sing-along type records. And uh, I was going to ask if there's any sort of, um, it, whether you like the sort of light and shade of midwinter. Um, we've talked a bit about, oh, come on, come Emmanuel, and, uh, uh Manuel, more, more minor chords and so on. Um, there's something by um, an American group called Low, um, called "Just Like Christmas," and it's <laughs> it's very really, it's very mournful. It sounds like it was recorded actually next door to the performance rather than actually in the same room. Um, very lo fi i was just wondering if anybody else knows that one, or I'm just going to be on a yeah. limb here. Just, just like what? Christmas, mourn, very mournful, but no, I love I it. You really
1: lost me here. Uh, uh, yeah, Low L-O-W.
3: LOW M-O-O-W, what's yeah. the title what's the just title like, just like christmas just like christmas and it it's goes got a shuffle on it it breaks your heart every eight bars with a, a major to minor modulation and uh yes just, uh, very sad and it's it's something about a heartbreaking trip to stockholm you know it's not going to end well
2: mm. <laughs> must check it out must check it out
3: yeah absolutely
0: Uh, Andy when you've written Christmas songs are you in the same situation that Chris just described that you're writing them in August with a view for them to be released in December
1: I think all the best Christmas records are probably made in June July August that sort of thing
0: yes yes
2: well that that gets to the point of kind of what you need and if I repeat myself I, I I was asked by NME to come up with five things that um are important in terms of writing a Christmas song. And the first, of course, is to convert to Judaism because all the best Christmas songs were written by Jewish people, Irving Berlin, Mel Torme. And and maybe if I had converted, uh, the song would have done better. And I made the mistake, point two, of don't date your lyrics because we thought this was a toss-off. The line, we have most of 81, I quote the year, uh, that was stupid of me. It becomes The song becomes dated in the very first verse. That's dumb. Point three, you must have a trumpet. No,
1: you, you just, don't have a trumpet.
2: You gotta have a trumpet. Gotta have a trumpet.
1: Yep. Have a trumpet. Yep. Well, uh, that's essential.
2: Point four, really, you should avoid Jesus because none of the songs we're talking about has anything to do with Jesus. Yes. Um,
1: Cliff never learned that one.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, do you want a pop hit or something sung like in churches where there is no performance royalty in a church? So, you 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 have to you have to you know avoid um, our Savior at all costs. You must have something about the Christmas spirit, right? some redemption, transformation. A Scrooge or a Scrooge has to see the light somehow,
1: and, and uh, uh, also the, the ghostly element. <coughs> Ghosts are, are pretty big shit at Christmas.
2: That's a good one. That's a good one. Ghosts are good.
1: Yeah. I three why. Wise
2: Men, Three Spirits, and, and The Christmas Carol. Hmm. Cult of Three. Cult of Three. You need three things. Okay, Maybe that's it.
0: How do you get by making a song that sounds original but also sounds Christmassy, so you have to have the trumpets and you have to have the sleigh bells, but you also have to make it sound worth listening to?
2: There has to be some kind of jingle jangle somewhere, yes?
0: I think sleigh bells are pretty
1: de rigueur. You know, uh, I I don't I, Christmas is like the one time of year where if you want to go corny and you wanna go trad, it's completely acceptable.
2: Yes, it is. Yes you it know. is. Isn't there a beef beef heart uh story about
1: him and sleigh bells, yeah.
2: Yes, fifty sleigh bells. What do you need them for, Captain? Overdubs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Overdubs. There's no concept of you have one pair, you can shake them right, again. Right, right,
2: right, right. Oh by the way, yeah. by the way, total non-sequitur. Ella Guru. My God. My God. You covered Ella Guru. Oh. What balls?
1: What balls? I picked the simplest song apart from the blues kind of singing. Yeah. Song, the simplest song on Trek Master. Replica.
2: Yeah, but, 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 but how did you get the voice? Did you use a vocoder or something? No, no, or? No, I
1: just had to. Fuck. You, you have to get very close to the microphone. Yeah. Really yeah. Okay. You
2: have
1: to. I, I don't even know where the mic is on this computer. My, I can't do my B-fart okay
2: fan fanboy break over but it's sorry. not
1: the only it's not the only beef heart um parody i've done i, I oh. did a few years ago giving the secret away here called uh, bug dream ah. what it was is i was the magic band I, ah. I i did the you know the bass two guitars and drums ah. uh, and then i took all of the um, solo, unaccompanied poems mm. pieces from *Trapmas replica, and I cut out words that I liked uh and I made a poem uh. of of, uh, of the good captain, and I tentatively to be the bug dream uh. and I laid that over this backing track, so I've made an ersatz out. <laughs> From, from track masks that never existed. So one of it these days exists. you may get to hear it.
2: The missing track, the missing yeah, track.
1: From, right. <laughs> but there are no sleigh bells on it, circle. I, I,
2: I used to share a space. Uh, I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey for a long time, and my studio space was in a wonderful warehouse. On, I was on the fifth floor. Sonic Youth were in the um, first floor, and I always uh, uh, was grateful for having them because they would throw stuff out. And I would go to the, to the skip, you would say, or dumpster for us, uh, and there would be know, some treasure in there. My sleigh bells are cast-offs from, um,
1: oh, from really?
2: Sonic Youth. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you what was the, the best, for me, the best percussion source was, uh, and I think the chain is closed now, but I haven't got toddlers anymore, was mother care. Um, <laughs> you used to go there, and they'd be like kids' percussion things.
2: Oh, yes. You, can, you know,
1: like little sticks with sleigh bells on the top or little tiny tambourines or little right. tiny drums or something. Yeah, a little tin drum, right. Yeah, and I'd, I'd go and buy armsfuls of this stuff from Mothercare, you know, shit cheap. And yeah. then that was my percussion, because you go and buy the same thing in a music store. Oh, you want that equivalent? Oh, that's called a, a Moroccan goudaha drum, and that's yeah, right, right, 20 quid. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. from Pen50 in Mother Care. You know, it may have a, a smiley teddy bear on it, but it...
0: it, it <laughs> right, <so>. right.
1: <laughs> so Mother Care yeah. was the source of all my percussion stuff.
0: If you listen, if you listen really carefully to XTC records, you're going hear the smiley bear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yes. You can hear the, the zippy zither. Um, <laughs> I don't think that was from Mother Care, but that was crazy cheap. And that's been on every XTC album. The zippy zither. <laughs> that
3: uh, that's zither. great.
1: It's on. It's on the end of. Um, it's on the end of Mole from the Ministry. Ah. It, it, it plays the the um, the theme to Life Is Good in the Greenhouse on the outro of Mole from the Ministry. Down, 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 down. As as Mole is kind of doing its uh, slight return. Yeah. so zippy zither is like a like a not a charity store but some some cheapo you know novelty place
2: yeah yeah love, I've got, love. I've got, I've got orf favorite. orf orf instruments i believe they're called orf o-r-f-f it's a it's a, a kid, uh, our our kindergarten like musical uh, uh, education uh, kit. You get the ORF instruments and the kids bang around and march around and yeah, they're wonderful. That's wonderful stuff.
1: Yeah, I love them.
2: Cheap percussion. Ah. Cheap
1: percussion. Yeah, okay, you can't beat it. percussion per- too, like uh, you know, uh, um, vitamin C tubes, plastic tubes from with vitamin C tablets finish off that, fill it up with rice, tape up one end. Best shape?
2: Best, best, yeah, agreed, agreed. Washing
1: up ball. I've got a base shaker. It's a big washing up machine. full of rice. A paper towel roll, right, or
0: whatever, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, right,
1: right. yeah, so, bullseye. Okay, back to Christmas, sorry.
0: I've got a Christmas-related question, Andy, because you just mentioned the Captain Beefheart thing. Are you also sitting on a load of Christmas songs that have not been released and... And if so, are you allowed to say? Uh,
1: yes. At oh. least two volumes of the My Failed Songwriting Career are, are going to be My Failed Christmas Career. So there's going to be. Uh, uh, well, what's going to be on there? Uh, cool Yule, uh, a song called Cool Yule, uh, which was written originally around about the same time as Thanks for Christmas, but I originally preferred maybe Thanks for Christmas is easier for them. shall I do the thanks for Christmas story because there's a little story that goes with thanks for Christmas Eh. okay so I love Christmas songs as you can kind of tell and um, I also love anonymous music you know like let let the band be somebody else or let's be Let's call ourselves something else and and do a track or do a record or whatever. Love all that. I'm well into anonymous authors, anonymous groups. You know, uh, um, the anonymous groups things. I mean, uh, um, Beach Boys did it with uh, Carl and the Passions, um, Roy Wood and and uh, did it with uh, Eddie and the Falcons. So yeah, loads of people have, have, have done all this sort of stuff. And every time I'd ring up Virgin Records to talk to somebody, you'd get through to a secretary and they would always say, hi, Mary here, da da, da, da and then you'd ring up somebody else and his secretary was called Mary. And it seemed like this, this running gag where everybody that worked at Virgin Records, their secretary was called Mary. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, it'd be a great idea if I wrote a really simple to sing Christmas song, and there's a little bit of mischief here, and I thought, what we do is we record it and then we get all the female staff of Virgin Records to sing it in a big crowd, and then we can put it out as Thanks for Christmas by the Virgin Marys. <laughs> I thought it was a bit mischievous, but you know, I had a meeting with, um, I think uh, who was our R man at the time, Simon Draper, lovely fellow. Um, and, and I, I gave him this idea that oh no, I don't think we could. Don't think we could do that. Um, why don't you? Why don't you fellas do it? So I thought, oh, maybe. And you know, and then the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, why not? So that's why the three wise men came into being was um, because the, the Virgin Mary's was considered to be too outré, even for Virgin records at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you like, yeah, you do like uh, wearing uh, other identities, I like love the, all that. the
1: Dukes. I thought, yeah, I love it.
2: Yeah. It's, could, it's, it's liberating, be, right It's liberating, yeah, yeah, yeah to know. assume another persona that that bound by
1: bubblegum records sampler that never was would be twelve different bubblegum bands, so you know, and but <laughs> we were going to be every band, but you know i've got I've got books fulls of suggested names, all the songs were written, and but that never happened, but I just love that anonymous music thing
2: yeah if I could yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Further, I'd do that I wouldn't be me, I'd be you know or whatever.
2: Earlier, I was uh, telling Mark that I was asked to write a song for Britney Spears. She wanted something more mature from a woman's perspective and she had turned the grand old age of 19 or something. And she was tired of being, you know, the kiddie pop kind of stuff. And I wrote this song. uh, I had 24 hours uh, to slam something together. And it's basically complaining about being hit on all the time on the On the street and saying, Grow up, you know, yes, I'm a woman now, but, you know, get off my back. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, they didn't use it. So I have quite a pile of rejected songs, Uh, great disappointments, all. Uh, Whore work that uh, you do, and uh, if if they don't use it, well, what do you do? I'm not the most prolific. Um, You know, I I can't have all these things lying around. My overall goal of, of doing all of this from day one was, gee, I really would like to be popular in Europe. And um, I have these songs, so I'm going to invent a band called Kilopop, Pop, who are the second best pop band in Europe, but unknown in the United States, because they couldn't get a record deal. And uh, I, I recorded an entire album of these people, and I have a wonderful friend who, who's a graphics artist who lives in Brighton. And uh, he ran with the idea and came up with a whole graphic backstory and uh, the entire history of Kilo Pop. And um, I did press releases. Uh, I mean, I have the CD. It's called "Un Petit Goutte," a little taste. That was great, great fun. And but and also just to wrap this up, the waitresses with uh liam sternberg my writing partner way 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 back in the day we both started this adventure together we were in other bands uh and and they were full-time commitments this is in akron kent area uh and we decided exactly that to where we need to come up with fake bands because we could tell whopping stories about it but also we had songs that we had uh, written, and there was no outlet for it. So he came up with Jane Eyre and the Belvederes and did find his Jane Eyre, Jane Ashley, and I came up with the Waitresses. So the idea of pranking you know, the music uh, business with anonymous bands or fake project, simpatico, we, 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 we're on the same page there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, a, friend, a friend of mine sent me, uh, I was talking to him last night, and he said, did you know... The Zombies story, the 60s band of the Zombies, they um, made an album, uh, Odyssey and Oracle, which uh, I think, I, I'm not sure whether, whether it got released during the band's lifetime. I think they'd already split. I believe you're right. And the record company in the States, which I got a feeling might have been CBS, they had a big hit with Time of the Season. They put that time of the season, an earlier recording, had a big hit with that. And they said, you've got to come and tour the States. You know, you're huge with time of the season. And they said, well, there there is no Zombies anymore. It doesn't exist. So somebody put together a fake Zombies that was all American musicians, but the snag was there was no keyboard player, two guitars, bass, and drums. And the sound of the Zombies was the, the Hammond organ. And and clavinet and piano and stuff like that. And um, he said, more surprising was that two of these members of the fake zombies that (laughs) toured the fakes were two members of ZZ Top. Uh, uh, (laughs) So you've got to look into this story. He assures me it's true. But the, the fake zombies, half of the fake zombies was ZZ Top.
0: And Andy, then, do you have the same experience? In fact, it sounds like both of you have the same experience, which is that as soon as you put on this different outfit, you somehow free yourself and you don't have to be XDC, or you can be this other thing. You can be the Dukes of Stratosphere, you can be the Three Wise Men, you can be... That,
1: like I say, that's, that's something that not only musicians do, I mean, authors do that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Kurt Vonnegut, and uh, he, yeah. he wrote about that...
2: Trout, uh, Trout, right? Gilgore um, Trout. Uh, uh... Il- Kill Trout, yes.
1: Right. Terrible sci-fi author that he, that, that, <laughs> that he would write about. There's a book released. Yes. I have
2: it. I have it on my shelf.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. uh, So I love that thing of, of worlds within worlds and fake identities. And I love all
2: that. Yep. Yep. Me too. I love it. I love the It's much more
1: magical than just, you know, Joe Blow and here he is. And, you know, it's... it's I'd rather this uh, this element of mystery and the fact that they're totally unknown. Oh, I love yes. this record, but I've no idea who it is and what they are and where they're from. And you know, just that's fantastic.
2: And and now the first Waitress's album, we thank uh, Dr. Nicholas Bordaki uh, for his inspiration. The name Nicholas. Or Daki, I believe I have that right uh, was in fact a consortium of academics who individually could not get themselves published. They were scientists and they were they were two either you know teaching assistants or whatever, but they had a paper and they couldn 't so so they invented exactly that they invented an identity. Uh, Nicholas Bordacky, or Borbaki, I believe it was, and were able to publish for a while for peer review um, some of their work under this gnome de plume. I, I just love stories like that. And, you know, because if this, you know, everybody butts their head against kind of crack whatever wall is in front of you when a clever end run often, you know. Yeah, it's the way a way lot
1: of pressure having to be yourself. That's the yeah. True. To be what? They've got to be true. I'm sick of
2: being true. I want to tell yeah. us the musical fibs. Yeah, yeah, I want to tell fibs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, my personal emotional life is too boring to 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 put my heart out in an acoustic song. Oh my God, the movie once, please. I, you know, it makes me literally vomit. It's so earnest and. Ugh.
1: You know, I even, they even do this, even do this uh, uh, alias thing, in, in or it, um, not alias, but uh, sort of non-real people thing in television. Uh, for many years, and I, I'm going to spoil this tale, but I can't remember their name. But uh, when you'd see Rostrum, you know, the, all the credits go up in 60s, 70s TV, and then you'd always see Rostrum Camera, and it was always the same name. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I, think, I think it was Ken somebody, but I, I can't yes. think what their name was. And um, this, this person never existed. It, it was like, just a, a, like a, a, if you worked in TV, the big gag was the rostrum camera or whatever was, was, was Ken. And no such person existed. Shall I steer us back to Christmas? I don't think you're going to get much more... Well, I've certainly not got more trad than this, but um, one of my favourite records, which has to come out every Christmas, here's the CD version. Excuse me, I'm hiccuping as well. Um, It's on EMI. It's called um, A Classic Christmas. I don't know if you can see that. And it's it's all orchestral versions of, of Christmas tunes. And... The London Philharmonic um, do a, a special uh, version of Troika. You know, da da, da 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 that one. And it is just phenomenally beautiful. It, it just gets me every time. And, and it's got an extra special layer of, oh, oh, oh for me, because um, I used to push together. We had two cheap, light leather sofas. So you could literally push with one hand. They were, they were just cheap crap. I don't know what, what sort of leather they were, you know, kind of, they were <laughs> ludicrously cheap, these things, you know. I used to push the two sofas together, tell the kids when they were toddlers that that was their sleigh, and then I'd get them some string or some old belts or something, and they'd they be like whipping imaginary reindeers, and, and, and then I'd put Troika on the player, and I'd say, come on, this is, you, you know, and I'd be shouting encouragement from the wings. They loved it. They totally lived being Santa and the helpers, or just you know rogue helpers having stolen the sleigh. Mm. Um, but uh, so that that version of, of Troika has an extra special level of um, of meaning for me.
3: And of course, it appears in the Greg Lake uh, every, every Christmas. You're bound to hear it because you hear the Greg Lake song. So it, it That's appears. Like that. He nabbed it
1: and stuck it in yeah. there. That's, <laughs>
3: right. You're right. And, and has Prokofiev ever seen a, a hint of royalties?
1: No. <laughs> Did they ever ring up Mr. Prokofiev? No. Iggy Prokofiev, ring him up and say, you know, That's we got yep. money for you. Eight.
2: I have a soft spot for uh, Sleigh Ride because that has the whip sound. I thought it was very s That's a good one. Um, That's one of the hardest
1: sounds to record.
2: Yeah, a whip, right?
1: Yeah. Have you ever tried recording a whip? Um, hang on. I've a used a
2: whip tube. That's real hard because.
1: tried all of it. Did, of course, it doesn't tell you the composer. This version, uh, conducted by Morris Hanford, um, Slainwright's fantastic, but it's got the whip in it. That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: We have to record a whip, and it's one of the one of the most motherfucking difficult sounds <laughs> to record. It's really difficult. We yeah. had whips. They didn't sound like whips, right? We had, you know, belts. Cr- trying to crack belts. Ages. You need a you
2: need a slapstick, right? You had two pieces of wood out of hinge.
1: That's what we ended up doing. We ended yeah. up doing it with editing two sounds together. Uh, and I think it was like a somebody, you know, moving someone yeah. fast by the by the the <laughs> mic, and then the slapstick. The, whoosh, you know, yeah, right. But right. So, but it, it wasn't <laughs> one sound. We had to edit edit these things to make a to make a whip. But yeah, it's in Jake Pudonkia. Oh, right. Yeah,
2: Donkey. Right.
1: Yeah, it's all yeah it's several sounds compiled. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go more Christmas, so come on. Yeah, what Christmas stuff. Come on.
0: I was just thinking of uh, Oddly and Unusually, but it's my daughter's favourite song, All I Want for Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey. And I think one of the things about it is that it's 1994, but it sounds like it's been there forever.
1: It sounds like Spectre. It sounds like a Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's just a glorious melody that just keeps on going. You Don't can go.
1: imagine Spectre pulling his revolver out And threatening her if she didn't get it in the next take, things were going to get serious. Actually, John Leckie has got a great Phil Spector story, Phil Spector and Revolver story. I don't know if I've ever told you, Mike. John Leckie uh, had to engineer or tape up a session where Phil Spector was producing. Wow. And he said it was in a, a studio, can't remember where it was, but he said the mixing desk was up on a podium, and uh, he said Spectre was due to arrive at such and such a time. And he said like an hour before, they had to turn all the air, air conditioning down as low as it would go. So it became like a meat fridge in there. And he said there were two huge security goons stood on the door with with headsets and, you know, the whole thing going no. and, and it was like, oh, he said he was petrified. What was, what was this, this Spectre going to be like, you know? And um, he, he doesn't even remember what band. It was a band. But uh, Spectre came in, and he, the, the session started. And he pulled out this huge revolver. And he, he got on the talkback, and he showed it to the band. As mm. if he said, come on, you've got you to start getting this in the next few takes, fellas. Mm. And he's mm. showing his revolver to the band. And then he lays it on. mixing desk, and they do a few more takes, and he's getting really upset that they're not getting the take. So he lifts up the revolver, he presses down the slate talkback mic, says, hey, you motherfuckers, and he shoots his revolver into the ceiling. But he doesn't twig that his chair that he's on has got wheels. And he doesn't twig that the mixing desk is on a podium about to put up. So the, the, the force of the shot into the ceiling sent the chair shooting backwards. He went base over apex. And the parents were just pissing themselves with laughter. And that was the end of all, all his attempts at discipline in the session.
2: Wow, yeah. wow. I wonder if that was the Ramones. That was by the way oh boy, I oh boy. it's
1: isn't that a great story?
2: That's a great story.
1: Yeah. yeah. God it, damn. It was, there was, there was no way that he could <laughs> regain control of it I'm going, Go going back, back to Christmas. Chris. Okay. Um couple more, couple more Beach Boys ones. I'll do these ones quick, quickly. Santa's beard. Do we know the Beach Boys Santa's beard? <laughs> where it's, he takes his five-year-old baby brother to a department store to see Father Christmas, and the kid's pulling his beard, and he he's not the real Santa Claus, and he wants to see the real Santa Claus. And the song is, the Beach Boys singing, you know, he's the real Santa Claus, and da-da-da, and it's, it's the kid singing he's not the real Santa Claus. Great little song. Now, here's something, while we're finishing up in, in Beach Boys land, does anyone else think this? Do we all know Little Bird House in Your Soul by They Might Be Giants? Right, yes. everyone's nodding on that one.
2: Yeah, they're pals of mine.
1: Do we, I, 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 I hope this isn't gonna upset them. Do we all know Winter Symphony by The Beach Boys? You know Winter Symphony? And, and he's nodding there. Yeah, he knows it. No, one shake, one nod. I, I was playing it yesterday and I have a funny feeling that Little Bird House in Your Soul is kind of a sped up Winter Symphony.
0: We ah. play
1: the Beach Boys Winter Symphony and it's there's something, it's like, it's like a jigsaw puzzle of Little Bird House in Your Soul. But slow down, and you're hearing this Winter Symphony is a it's da 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 and it's got the the same sort of change for the next bit, and it's like, whoa, that's really naughty. If it is, I mean, I know Colin gets with standing in for he gets Barry Town flung at him all the time, but I've got a funny feeling that Winter Symphony. Or rather, Birdhouse in Your Soul is not unrelated to The mm. Winter Symphony. But, let's, so, check,
2: let's check it out. Yeah, check it out.
1: If it's not, then, then I do apologize. But it's, it's a, an amazing sort of cross-accidental cross-pollination. It it's really sets off the same perfume in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody else talk. I'm talking all the time.
2: I thought the monkeys unwrap you at Christmas was quite good. Bravo. Bravo. Okay. It's a little, it's a little log rolling here because you're on camera, but, but I, I really enjoyed that too. Uh, there's no doubt that it's an Andy Partridge song. I was so
1: honored to be asked. I mean, that's ah, just yeah. so big for me as a kid Bye. and then to be asked to, to write that, you know, I, I I I was excited to to write, uh, they did that kind of comeback album, what's it called, Good Times, Mm -hmm. Uh, and their manager uh, emailed me and said, um, would you like to write something for the monkeys? And of course, uh, me write for the monkeys, you know, the the 13 year old in me was just dribbling with let me at it. Uh, And that was uh, um, uh, You Bring the Summer which I, I had as an idea, and I think I had like four lines of it, but no idea how it would go. And it was like, oh, yeah, you bring the summer. So let's do summer because the monkeys are summer, you know. And um, but to be asked to do that that, that Christmas song, fantastic. Just uh, yeah. And I, and I never knew there was some boy band thing called Unwrap You or it's, it's somebody like... Um, boys for boys to men or in Mm. or something like that they i I had no concept until somebody said hey there's a a boy band thing called unwrap you and i said damn i thought it was original concept you know but it's not (laughs) well thank you chris but i was just honored and delighted to be asked to
0: to do that Mm. chris this is like the alternative tell us about songs for unsung holidays
2: well Obviously, I've I i I've been asked to write other holiday songs and I, I couldn't think of anything more dismal. But the reed the player for Tin Huey went on to wonderful, great things with Tom Waits and the B-52s and then went on into the great beyond. I miss you, Ralph. Is it Ralph, Ralph Carney. And Ralph Carney was a phenomenal uh, genius, uh, multi instrumentalist. And he called me four years ago and said, "Hey, uh, let's do a project." And he's in uh, California, and I'm I'm in Ohio. And we said, "Okay, uh, you know, people were bugging me to do holiday songs. Why do Why do we do ridiculous holidays? Because Ralph is very silly, and I like to be silly, even though I'm pegged as a serious guy, but." My 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 secret life is that I'm I'm silly like him, and we did an an entire album that was on our label here small label called Smog Vale, and it's songs for unsung holidays and. We did things like a, a penguin appreciation day and salami day and tapioca day. We had great, great fun with that. And it was so much fun to, to, to do a project. My with favorite
1: him. pretend holidays, like years ago, I heard somebody come up with a quote All Squids Eve. But <laughs> <laughs> was, that was a day where all squids are celebrated and you have to have All Squids Eve.
2: Yes, yes. Phenomenal. I, I, Yes, yes, for all the for all the yes, for all the squids that are in our in our pen. Yeah,
1: yeah, but the eve, <laughs> what you do the special thing you do on the eve. You know, dress right. up with a sucker on your head. Right,
2: and, that's right. right. You know,
1: throw ink at each other. Towards <laughs> the door, right. squirting ink at, at old people.
2: Backwards, you have to walk backwards. <laughs> yeah, you, walk backwards
1: after you
0: them. I'm just noticing the time and remembering that podcasts do actually have to finish at some point. Probably about half an hour ago. So maybe the point now is to wish each other a happy Squid's Day, and to thank everybody: Andy Partridge, Chris Butler, David White, and Mark Reed. And to wish you all a very merry thing and a happy new year.
1: Just before we go, can I sneak in one little thing?
0: You certainly can. Yes. Um,
1: the mo- most
0: unlikely
1: Christmas thing ever. Um, actually, there's two, but I'll just one of them. The Rolling Stones album "Satanic Majesty's Request." Their "Satanic Majesty's Request" was originally going to be called "We Wish You a Psychedelic Christmas," <laughs> and the track that ends side one is a, a, a theremin and a lot of white noise and somebody booming, sort of like hitting a drum slow down or something. And it's if you listen to it carefully, it is, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Ah. <laughs> ah. So that is, my, that is my parting shot for lovely, unlikely Christmas track. Have a great one, folks.
0: Have a great one. Yes. Thank you very you a, very happy much. happy Christmas, y'all. This podcast would not have been possible without all of the wonderful people who've supported it on Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. And the Knights in Shining Karma are among them. They are Mats Anderson, Terry Arnott, Dan Barrow, Matt Bell, Kevin Burt, Liam Duggan, Jamie Dunn, Helen Fay, Robert Graham... Robert Lawlor, Dennis LeCourier, Liz Lynch, Amy Parkinson, Murray Meikle, Kevin Murray, Karen Neal, James Newell, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slateholm, Michael Sutcliffe, Nigel Wallow and William Wilkstrom. Thank you very much to all of those people. If you'd like to support the XTC podcast, you can do so, as I said, at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. See you next time. What do you call that noise? Head to XTCLimelight.com where you can buy my two XTC books. First, there's the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls, which is an anthology of Limelight, the XTC fanzine I made from 1982 to 1992. We had a couple of lifelines to the world, and, and Limelight was one of them.
3: So the book is the XTC. Bumper book of fun for boys and girls. It's stunning.
0: It features new interviews with XDC members, including Dave Gregory.
3: So I just took a deep breath and thought to
0: myself, well, I wonder how long this is going to last. I'm going to enjoy it as long as I'm here. Colin Moulding.
3: That mixture of bittersweet is more
1: powerful than all one flavour.
0: Terry Chambers.
1: We enjoyed each other's company as much as sort of playing.
0: And Andy Partridge. So
1: how did I go from being an illiterate (laughs) peasant to being a well-read peasant?
3: It's a big... Thing and you can hold it and you can pick it up and you can open a page and go, oh, right, here we go, we've got some, uh, some letters, you know. It's just a delicious thing to dive in and out
0: of. Thank you, Ian Lee. And then there's What Do You Call That Noise, an XTC discovery book, where you'll find more from the band, plus commentary from musicians including Anton Barbo. For me, it's just simply a life-changing song. And McHugh.
3: It's like... A Painting by Van Gogh.
0: Jason Faulkner. XTC probably made the most impact on me of, of any band that I can think of. Chris Butler.
2: If there's anything more classic XTC, E, e,
0: e, e this is it. And Rick Butler. It was well produced as well. It, it had the support of a great producer. I mean, it really sounded strong. Order your copies of both books at xtclimelight.com. It's a paper and ink net. The internet
1: with, with added staples.